Luke chapter, sorry, John chapter 16 this morning. John chapter 16. And in John chapter 16, I'll begin reading in verse 7. Jesus speaking says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they believe not on me of righteousness because I go to my father and ye see me no more of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, that you have sent your Holy Spirit into the heart of everyone who believes. And you've called us to be witnesses and your blessed Holy Spirit is there to empower us and uh, give help us in this uh, calling that we have to fulfill. And Lord, I ask for the filling of your Spirit this morning for myself and, and for, for Lisa and for Stephanie in the nursery as well. Uh, Father, uh, that your word would go forth. Um, Lord, that we would receive it with understanding. And that we would recognize that you have provided for us fully to be the witnesses that you have called us to be. God, we thank you for uh, the Sunday school hour already for the adults and children. We thank you for the word that has gone forth in each place. Father, uh, may we uh, be careful to heed what we have learned. And to apply it, Lord, to our hearts and lives. Even to be looking, Lord, uh, for your quick and sudden coming. And uh, we, we take hope in that. And uh, we're thankful for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing. And, uh, and Father, uh, once again, do your work here this morning. We're thankful for those that are with us in the live stream. And those that are here with us today as well in, in our building. And, Father, we pray that you would be glorified, uh, that your saints would be edified, that Jesus would be lifted up, and, and Lord, that uh, we would go away with resolve to be more like you, and the burden for the lost, and to submit ourselves unto thee. We thank you, God, for Christ. We thank you for your blessed Holy Spirit. I thank you for this church, for each one in it. And Father, we pray, we ask these things in Jesus' name, for his glory. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. As we look at this passage in John chapter 16, uh, multiple commentators have seen a gospel message spoken right from the pages from the verses in that which we have read and the idea being that the spirit comes and he reproves the world of, of sin uh, Christ was delivered for our offenses uh, the Holy Spirit comes he reproves us of sin and of righteousness 
Jesus said, because I go to the Father and you see me no more. They would say the idea is that Christ's resurrection, yes, he took our sins, he was delivered for our offenses, but he was raised again for our justification. Uh, we're not just pardoned criminals walking around the earth now that God has forgiven us. <laughs> No, he, in addition to taking away our sin, the moment we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior, we are, what? We are, we are justified by his life, We're by his resurrection. He went back to heaven. And God looks at us uh, as what? As we're having Christ's righteousness. What a trade. Uh, and of course, anytime there's right, there, there is sin and righteousness, there's going to be judgment. Uh, and uh, uh, without the mediator, mediating office of Jesus Christ, uh, that judgment would be condemnation. But when we wear that righteousness of Christ, which we receive only by faith in Him, uh, we are delivered from that wrath to come. And, uh, and we're thankful for, uh, for, that, for that deliverance. And uh, uh, we praise God for that. When I look at this passage, however, Christ is talking about the sending of the Holy Spirit and what he's going to do. And where is the Holy Spirit? He's living inside believers. Amen. That's the, that's the age we're in now, right? So from whence is the Holy Spirit going to do these things? He's going to reprove the world of sin, righteousness, righteousness, and judgment. What? Through us. Through us. So I think the lesson is, first of all, it's practical to Christians. Because he is going to enable us, what? To go to the world with this gospel message. And this is how he's going to work through us when we go. This is what he's going to do in confronting the world as we go to the world where we've been called to go with this message. And so we'll learn from that, some practical things from that, uh, giving uh, us faith and encourage, encourage us in what God's Spirit will do through us. Uh, he is known as the Comforter, as, as we saw. When the Comforter is come, uh, we sing at Christmas time, tidings of comfort and joy. And the Spirit is called the Comforter. Uh, when, you when you are given a job to do, it is a comfort to have the wisdom and the strength to do the job. Amen? What if somebody gave you a job and you had no idea how to get that thing done? Or maybe you did know and, and, uh, and, and man, I, I don't have the strength to do that. That would not be a comforting thing, would it? <laughs> no, God has given us a job. We are to be gospel spreaders, to spread that gospel to all the world. And he has provided for us with all that we need to be able to do it. And we can be comforted in that. He sends the comforter to live in our hearts. Acts 1.8, But ye shall receive power... After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. There it is. Go with the power that I give you, and be witnesses. So we're going to learn from that today. We're to go forth in the power of the Spirit, proclaiming the truth of the Word of God. The message this morning is laying the foundations of comfort the Comforter comes. The Holy Spirit comes. He, he lives in our hearts. And we see, uh, number one, uh, looks like we're off. We're kind of crooked there. I'm not sure what's going on there. But uh, uh, there we go. Okay. Thank you, Brother Chris. And uh, number one, we are to reprove the world of sin. Uh, that they might repent as we go with gospel. Uh, uh, the Spirit uh, is empowers believers to reprove the world of sin that they, might, that they might repent, turn from sin to faith in Christ. The Spirit reproves the world of sin because they believe not on Him. Uh, reproving. 
shows them their condition. Our dear sister Anna is with us uh, in the live streaming this morning, and uh, she had told us about things that were going on with her as she was discovering about the cancer and such that she had. And, and I can tell you this, uh, that when Anna went to the doctor, she hadn't been feeling well, and she shared this with us, that she figured it was time to go get that checked out. And, and uh, Sister Ann, I didn't think you'd mind me, mind me using this. So um, uh, we love you. We miss you. Looking forward, forward to you coming back. Uh, but she wanted to know her condition. If she had cancer, she didn't want some doctor telling her it was something else or making light of it uh, or dismissing it. Well, it's just indigestion or something. She didn't want that. If she had that, she wanted to know about that. See, because cancer is destructive to the body, and it needs to be addressed. If it is present, it needs to be diagnosed, that is, brought to light, amen, and dealt with. And we are thankful for the good results that we've heard from the, the chemo treatment and such. And we're, we keep praying. We're looking forward to the day. She's going to be back here with us, amen. We're looking forward to Anna being back here. We have a sin problem. And the Holy Spirit's job is to bring that thing to light. And by the way, the application here, this work that the Spirit does, He does it toward the lost for salvation, and He does it within us for sanctification. All of those things. You'll see, we'll see some of those uh, along the way. He reproves the world of sin. That word reprove uh, is the Greek word elegko. It means to convict, to refute, or confute. With a suggestion of shame of the person convicted. To bring to light, to expose, to call to account. To show one his fault. Demand an explanation. You see, when we give the gospel, when we go through the scriptures, the Romans wrote, or uh, the book of Hebrews, as Brother Chris was sharing this morning, other places in in the Bible, when it talks about our sin, the Holy Spirit is not sitting by. The sword of the Spirit is the word of God. Amen? He's using that word whether spoken in monotone or all excited as long as we're speaking from the heart and and yielding he's using that word of God to cut in the heart and do his work and to convict of sin this reproving work of the spirit uh, as he takes the word to the heart of the listening uh, sinner who's not yet believed He finally points out his sin and he eliminates, he destroys, he throws down to the ground all of the sinner's excuses, arguments, explanations are cast down. (laughs) Now they may go on making excuses to you and I. They may go on on the outside saying, well you haven't convinced me yet, but inside the Spirit has convinced them. Inside the Spirit has convicted them. They can't fool the Spirit. The Spirit knows what He has shown them. They may fool you and I. Well, He just didn't really understand. Oh, no. The Spirit did His work. The Spirit backed that sinner in a corner and said, you've got no place to go. And those excuses you're making, they're, they're, they're not good enough. Absolutely guilty. Demanding an explanation. Nowhere to go. If you've not believed in Jesus Christ. The Spirit does that work. In uh, 1 Corinthians 14, uh, 24, the Apostle Paul is talking about some gifts of the Spirit. And and one of them was, was the preaching and teaching of the Word. He was talking about how important that is in the church. It's, it's, it's a major thing. He talks about how the Spirit works. 
He says, if all preach, if all share the word, if all prophesy, 1 Corinthians 14, 24, there come in one that believeth not, or one unlearned, he is convinced of all. Same word. Uh, translated reproof here. Verse 25, and thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest, clear as day to who? By the way, to the Spirit and to himself. God has shined the light on that sinner's place and says, you got nowhere to run. And I, by the way, he's done that because he loves them. The excuses may fool you and I, they don't fool God. And by the way, if they don't believe at that time, what, what do you think God is going to bring before them at the judgment? That very moment. God knows the time he showed them. Uh, look, look, at the, look at the last part of the verse. He says, and thus are the secrets of the heart made manifest. We'll look at that again later. What's inside. Knowing what's inside. You see, we need to be confronted with that, don't we? Uh, and it's, it's, it's not always an easy thing. It's, it, it, it's a difficult thing. You ever get a cut? Maybe you're out, maybe you're out working on a, on, your, uh, on a truck in the garage and you're doing a project and putting an edge. <laughs> Ryan's, Ryan's wondering where I'm going here. You're, you're putting an engine in, you know, and you get, you get a cut on your hand. You don't want it to get infected, you know. So you put that Band-Aid on because you're not going to stop. You want to get the job done. and Put that arm. My arms aren't very hairy, so this won't work too. <laughs> uh, but, 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 but Brian, I'll put this on your, your wrist. You'll let me do that. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but you put that on. You cover that up. You know that's got to be dealt with. You get the work all done, and what do you do? There comes that time when get back in the house here it goes and you rip it off you know and you okay you, you got a bald spot in your arm there now and it wasn't easy it was painful but in order for that wound to be cleansed in order for you to have ultimate comfort what you need to go through that pain just rip it off just rip that band-aid off that's what the spirit does when he comes into the heart you see, we may uh, say our problems are everything else, but the Spirit says to the lost person when you give them the gospel, no, your problem is your sin. Don't blame it on somebody else. Don't make any excuses. I'm going to shine the floodlight on your soul and show you exactly where you stand before Jesus Christ. That's what he does. That's what he does. And thank God for that. We need that. Uh, a man came forward in, in a revival meeting being convicted of his drinking problem as the evangelist prayed with him he said dear lord please help this poor drunkard to lay aside his booze and well the man interrupted him and said oh I'm not a drunkard I'm an alcoholic I have a disease evangelist continued dear lord please help this poor sick drunkard uh, to lay aside his booze and get his life right with thee." <laughs> God doesn't take excuses. He knows what our sin is. And by the way, he has the remedy. He has the cure. He's the only one. And he, by the grace of God, backs the sinner into a corner so they know exactly where they stand as we, as we, share the, as we, as we carefully and, share, and, and prayerfully share the gospel. See, Jesus came in John 15, 22. He said, If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin, but now they have no cloak for their sin. He tore it off. All those excuses and left mankind painfully exposed sinners before God in need of a Savior. But that's what we need, amen? If we're going to know true comfort, he goes right to the heart of the problem. Jesus said, The world cannot hate you, but me it hateth, because I testify of it, that the works thereof are evil. John 7, 7. Evil! See, 
as cancer is destructive to the body, sin is destructive to the soul. Amen. By the way, and the body. The wages of sin is what? Death. And death and hell were cast in the lake of fire, Revelation tells us. A first death and a second death. Uh, all sin is against God. When Joseph was serving Potiphar and his wife uh, tried to get convince Joseph to have relations with her, uh, though Joseph was working for her husband. And Joseph's reply was in Genesis 39.9, There is none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he, he kept, that's God, neither hath he, God, kept back any, or Potter, neither hath he, Potter, kept back anything from, from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? I'm going to sin, I don't want to sin against God. It's all sin is against God. It's against God. And we need that to be exposed, don't we? See, he's our creator. Did you know that just living the way you want to live is an evil sin? Because God made you. You don't have the right to live the way you want to live. We only have the right to live the way God wants us to live. Amen? So it's an evil thing to take your body and your life and say it's yours when it's God's. He made you. He gave you, he gave you uh, the, the breath of life. It's an evil thing. That's why James, when he wrote in James 4, 13, he says, he says, Go to now, ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year. Buy and sell and get gain. You're thinking and planning without God? You're thinking you'll just do in life what you want to do and go where you want to go? What does James comment on that? He says, you don't know what, you, what shall be on the morrow. And he concludes with this. You ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall go, live and do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is what? Evil. That's evil to do that. You ought to say, if the Lord will. By the way, he's not just talking about a, a saying there. He's talking about we ought to be willing to want to do what the Lord's will is. And, and figure it and asking God what his will is and then doing it. See, it's evil just to live life on our own. Uh, bringing it to light, exposing it. In John chapter 8, the woman taken in adultery was brought before Jesus. He didn't grab, caught her in the very act, didn't bring the man, which the law would have required. But they dragged her in there. What, remember what Jesus said? He, he, or he, he, he says, let him that was, that was without sin cast the first stone. He that was without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote in the ground. And the Bible says, and they... And they which heard it being convicted, same word, used for reproof, same Greek word, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one. They were put in a corner. None of them could say, oh, oh we, we're, I'm, I'm sinless, I can cast a stone at her. None of them could say that. The floodlight shined on their soul and said, don't you dare grab a stone. <laughs> and out they went. By the way, from the eldest to the youngest. <laughs> That's what the Spirit does, you see. That conviction. <clears throat> By the way, it's not very comfortable, is it? <laughs> when God shows us our sins. When God reveals us that, to that, that sin to the sinner. It, it's, an, it's an uncomfortable thing. But yet there's hope for the sinner to believe, amen? And by the way, there's hope for the believer, what? To get right with God, amen? It's not a comfortable thing. I can assure you that the surgery and chemo and things that Anna has gone through are not comfortable things. But yet what? They're necessary. And we're thankful that God has used them as, as far as we can see in a positive way. We're praying for, for, for more grace and healing there. But God's spirit comes and he deals with the problem because it needs to be dealt with. 
He uses the discomfort of reproof and confession so that our corruption might be cleansed and the comfort of his spirit might be given. Uh, confession is key in glorifying God. Uh, in, Josh, in, uh, in the book of Joshua, a man by the name of Achan had sinned against God and he'd kept some idols and some, some things. He'd kept some things for himself that were supposed to be offered unto God and uh, or destroyed and such. And, and uh, I think it was just money and clothing, so it would have been offerings. But he says, uh, Joshua catches him in it. And uh, God points out who he is by the lot and also and and Joshua says to Achan, My son, give, I pray thee, glory to the Lord God of Israel and make confession unto him. Remember? Then what did Achan do? He broke down and confessed what he did. So how does that glorify God? Well, because any person who did that, the punishment was they were to be stoned. But now all of Israel just heard from Achan's mouth, I did it. I'm guilty. So God doesn't come off like an ogre. Oh, poor, you know, poor old Achan. Uh, uh, they, uh, we lost that battle. We figured someone was sinning. Uh, we guessed it was Achan. We weren't sure. He never said anything about it. So they just picked the one they thought it was and had to stone him like God said. That's not the way it happened. When Achan said, I did it, God, I have no excuse. What did that do? That glorified God, didn't it? That glorified God. Confession glorifies God. Confession means to say the same thing about our sin that God does. It's wicked. It's evil. And by the way, when you're, when you're a believer, you have no excuse for it. We have the Holy Spirit to give us victory over sin. And by the way, when you're a lost person, you have no excuse but to receive, uh, uh, for not receiving the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior once you hear the gospel. Once the Holy Spirit shines that spotlight on you and says, there you are. The lost person has no excuse but to believe and to obey the command. That's the way the Spirit works. He reproves. Uh, <clears throat> on day one of creation, God separated the light from the darkness. On day one of salvation, God begins to separate light from darkness in the believer's life. He begins to draw us to himself. When we take the gospel out, God separates what? Light from darkness. He, he, he shines that light on their darkness, on their sin. Works in that way. But notice he says, uh, in John 16 here, he says, he says, uh, He's going to reprove the world of sin because, uh, because they believe not on me. Well, wait a minute. What about all the other sins? There's a whole lot of evil, wicked sins in this world. Why only because they believe not on me? Well, you see, because what God did for us when he sent Jesus Christ to die for us, and by the way, he chose to come. That was a, 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 a unanimous decision in the Godhead what God wanted to do he wanted to save us from our sins what did God do as Christ died on that cross he gathered all the sins of the world yours and mine and every person's by the way past present and future all sins of all time and God grabbed all those sins and he put them on his precious son there they all are Right there. Because my son died to bear your sins. And now, as far as your salvation, we won't deal with those individually. I made a way for you. You believe in my son, I'll forgive you. That's it. Doesn't matter what the sin is. How many they are. What's God say? There it is. You believe in my son. I trust in my son. Believe that he died on the cross and rose again. The perfect sinless son of God for your sins. As a complete and full payment for your sins. Trust in him. And God says, I'll forgive you. 
and save you. It's that clear. It's that free to us. It cost God himself that much in actually becoming a man and dying on the cross for us and rising again. What must I do to be saved? They asked the apostle uh, Paul and Silas. They said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That's it. That's it. Praise God for that. They would believe they would be saved. Number two, the Holy Spirit, the believer is empowered by the Spirit to reprove the world of righteousness. Of, uh, of righteousness. <clears throat> now, what the, what's it saying here? Um, Jesus was delivered for our offenses. He was raised again for our justification. We're declared righteous in the eyes of God. We have a righteous standing. But I want to say this. <clears throat> you see, when Jesus Christ was on the earth, he walked in a, in a body like you and I. He took on the likeness of sinful flesh. <laughs> he looked like any ordinary person. He wasn't. He had no sin. <laughs> didn't have a sin nature. But he did have a, a physical body. And he lived that perfect life. There was no sin present in his life. And there was no righteousness lacking in his life. Ever. And he was that perfect example. He said, if he'd not spoken unto them the words, he said, he, he said they'd have no cloak for the sin. That was the last point. What else did Jesus say in John 15, 24? If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not had sin. See, he proved the world totally guilty because of what he said and because of how he lived. Both proved that the world's our Lord are sinners and in need of God. In need of God. Think about that. Jesus, uh, and, and I think here is a practical situation with, that we apply that, that uh, I didn't find in as many commentaries as I thought it would, but it's the Spirit working through us. Uh, Jesus had said in John 9, 5, as long as I am in the world, what? I am the light of the world. But then what did he tell his disciples in John 5, 14? You're the light of the world. He goes on to say, Let your light so shine among men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. See, before Jesus left, they, left, they had him to look at. Perfect righteousness. Everything he said and did. But now he's in heaven. But guess who he sent to live in you and I? By the way, guess who's living in you and I? Christ. And what is he doing? He is wanting to live righteousness through us. Now listen, will it be perfect like him? No, we're not going to obey him perfectly. But I'll tell you what, it's far different from the world. It's far different from the world. And they look at your lives and mine, and they can't be reproved by Jesus' example walking here physically. He's not here now. Physically, he's at the right hand of the Father. But guess who's here? You and I. And they can look at your life and at my life and say, wow, it's something different about them. Something different about them. And they see the sin in their own life. Why? Because you love to go to church. You, you love to read your Bible and pray. You're not just getting a you know, Christian checklist. You help your neighbor and you're doing things that just don't fit the world. What does that do? It shines that spotlight on them. It reproves them. Reproves them of righteousness. This is beyond the positional righteousness here. This is the imparted righteousness. It's Christ working through us. Which backs up what? The words that we were speaking as we witness. God uses that to back him in the corner. But what else? He uses your life and mine as we yield to him. He convicts them. Think about what the Apostle Paul uh, shared with us in in uh, in, uh, in Galatians uh, 
God comes into our hearts. He purifies our lives and our conduct, shaming uh, the lives of those who are around us as they, as they watch us. This is what Paul wrote. He talked about his early uh, ministry. He says he was unknown by, in Galatians 1.22, he was unknown by face under the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. But they had heard only, he says, but they had heard only uh, that he which persecuted us in times past now preacheth the faith which once he destroyed, here it is, and they glorified God in me. Did you get that? Let your, let, let your, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and what? Glorify your Father which is in heaven. That's exactly what was happening through life of the Apostle Paul. That light was shining through his life. Was he perfect? Nope. But he sure was different than the world. Amen. There sure was a change in his life. Amen. And that, that life that Christ was working through then became the reprover. You see. Showing the world their need for Christ and for that change. And that change. And so Paul would write, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but what? Christ liveth in me. Christ liveth in me. Thank God for that. By the way, the apostle Paul followed the example of Christ in Acts 20 and 27. He says, For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. The apostle Paul preached and the gospel, and, and as he preached the gospel, the Holy Spirit took it and shined that light in the hearts of, of unbelievers and said, here you are, you need to believe. And then the apostle Paul lived that life. He that persecuted the, used to persecute the faith is now preaching the faith. And they said, whoa, it was a double witness. And that's the same way for you and I. And it's the same Holy Spirit working through us. Uh, to, to bring the message to the lost. Paul said, I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. He preached the word, and he also said in Acts 20, uh, 35, I have showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak, and so on. He demonstrated. Jesus Christ declared and demonstrated perfectly. We are also declared to declare and demonstrate perfectly the gospel and life of God. Will we do it perfectly? No. But I tell you what, if we'll be yielded to God and full of the Holy Spirit, we'll shine like the difference between night and day to the lost world. Amen. And there will be a witness there. There will be a witness there. Many believers today have become armchair experts. They can tell you all the doctrines of how a Christian ought to live, but not live any of them. (laughs) And that's sad. Because as we're speaking, we are to be living, amen, and applying these things. Peter says the elders are to be in samples to the flock in 1 Peter 5, 3. Paul, Peter wrote in uh, 1 Peter three sixteen, uh, we are to live a life with a good conscience, that is, staying right with God, our sins confessed and, and turning to God. He says, that whereof they speak evil of you as evildoers, you know, the world condemns you because they hate Christ, But what happens? That they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. Did you get that? Live a godly life so that when the people that condemn you as evil look at your life, then the people that know you, hey, you're talking about this guy or this gal here. You said they were no good. I've been talking to people that know them and uh, uh, I don't know where you're coming from. But they're living a life different than, you know, the world. And it becomes obvious. It becomes obvious. The Holy Spirit shines that light. will shine that light through us. <clears throat> then finally, it reproved the world of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Now, there are some different discussions on who's being talked about here when it says the prince of this world Uh, brief uh, look at that the uh, devil is sometimes called the prince of the world 
uh, in John 14 30 hereafter I will not talk with you much for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me that's Jesus speaking he's called the prince of the power of the air in Ephesians chapter 2 Jesus said in John 12, 31, Now is judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. He's talking about the devil or himself. The world rejected him. Uh, the prince uh, also speaks of, of Christ. He's there. In Daniel 8, 25, he, he is the prince of princes. In Daniel 9, uh, 25, it says, uh, 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 the Messiah, the Prince, is going to come. In Acts 3.15, uh, uh, Peter says, They killed the Prince of Life. Revelation 1.5 says, Jesus Christ is the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, the Prince of the Kings of the Earth. So who is he talking about here? I personally believe that he's talking about the devil. He's the only one uh, whom the devil who uses this specific wording. Jesus said, uh, Jesus said, uh, yeah, again in John 14, 30, he said, uh, uh, Hereafter will I not talk much with you, for the prince of this world, there it is, cometh and hath nothing in me. That's clear to the devil. And I personally believe that's what he's talking about. Uh, now is the judgment of this world. Now is the prince of this world cast out. So what's he saying there? Either way, it's kind of teaching the same truth. The world judged the prince of life. The Bible says the world by wisdom knew not God. Talking about worldly wisdom. The creator of the world came into the world and the world didn't recognize him. I mean, he walked on the water, he raised the sick, he, he caused the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the lame to walk. He said, I am the way, the truth, the light, uh, uh, no man come unto the Father but by me. He said, the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins and the world didn't recognize him. You know what God is saying? That's your wisdom. You want to live by the wisdom of the world? Your wisdom killed the prince of life. <laughs> that would work in that. But the sense is, and I believe, is, is it actually the devil? Uh, the prince's world is judged. What God is saying is, listen, in the world, you are living in accord to the devil and to how he wants you to live. He's the prince of the power of the air. It's interesting in the Bible, you'll find something. Many times kings, they, they were kings because the blood, of the bloodline. The kings, you know, first son was going to follow, you know, and, and even in heathen nations and such, the, was in line to follow. And by the way, like it or not, a lot of times that was the way it went. But when you find princes in the Bible... They were more, they were more in, in position because of their favor among the people. They were, they were, they, there was a favor among the people for the princes that were put in, in, in leadership. The devil is the prince of the power of the air. See, people sin because they want to sin. People don't believe in Jesus Christ because they have been backed into that corner by the Holy Spirit of God and at that point, they choose the love of their sin over faith in Christ. It's a democratic vote for them. The Spirit backed them in the corner and said, Here you are. What are you going to do? No, thank you. Go away. When you have a more convenient time, I'll get back with you. Remember that guy? <laughs> See, he was backed into a corner, wasn't he? Paul witnessing to him. He trembled, Felix did. But, he's, but he said what? <laughs> Just go away. Why? He couldn't fathom leaving his sin. He loved it too much. That's the way the, that's the, way the Spirit works. 
and uh, he brings us to that to that realization. Uh, uh, but that discernment, that wisdom, yes, it has to do with a, with a judgment and generally the idea of of condemnation. But it also has the idea with the wisdom that brought you to that judgment, and 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 was involved in you making that judgment. It's a combination of both, really. That 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 uh, that that judgment there, judgment because the prince of this world is judged, and so we see that. God is in control. Don't trust in your own wisdom. If you brief things about man's wisdom, and I'm done, why not? Uh, man's heart is evil from his youth. Genesis 18, uh, 21, Brother Chris was talking about that this morning. That, that bad news of Hollywood, you know, just follow your heart. <laughs> that will get you into trouble, folks. Proverbs 3, 5. Lean not unto thine own understanding. Say. In all thy ways acknowledge him. Realize God's right and you're wrong. God's right and I'm wrong. See, when you were living your life before God, you, you, we lived our life the way we wanted to. And we've already learned from James that's evil. Now we get saved, What? We've got this, uh, I don't know all my computer terms, but we've got this old floppy disk. <laughs> That's our old life and our wisdom. What's the latest technology as far as device storage, anybody? Any techies? Flash drive, just like, like a really fun drive, flash drive. Uh, throw the floppy disk away. And put in the mind of Christ. Amen. The mind of Christ. We need to understand it. Get rid of that. Even after we're saved. Listen to this. We know not what we should pray for as we ought. That's Romans 8.26. We still struggle with not knowing. We still have to seek God to what? Renew our minds. We talk, Brother Chris is talking about that. Every, daily we are to be washing ourselves in the word of God. Amen. Because unfortunately you can't throw that floppy disk away. It's still in there, isn't it? <laughs> and it's still trying to run your life. Although it'll make a mess of it if you, you, know, if you, if you switch over to that as a believer. No, don't do that. But what? We need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds and then we'll make judgments according to God's word you see the spirit works through us in all these ways uh, uh, reproving of sin righteousness and judgment to grow the believer and to draw the lost unto himself and he does that I'm so thankful for that so thankful for that. We're, we're told that uh, Jonathan Edwards, you know, his his sinner, uh, uh, his his his, uh, his sermon, "Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God." We're told that he preached that in monotone, and people fell to their faces, wailing for for mercy and forgiveness from God. Who did that? That was the Spirit, shining a light on hearts. See. And I imagine the ones that rejected had the same reaction, only, only toward the anger side of it. <laughs> you see, when God, when God brings you to that point, you can only do one of two things. You can, you can, you can receive or reject. That's it. And we can have an, a, a, a response one way or the other. But be sure, when you're born again, God sends the Spirit in your heart. And he does just exactly what God says he, he would do, send him to do, when we witness, when we, when we allow him to witness through us, through the word of God, reaching out to the lost. And by the way, within in our own lives, anybody ever have the spirit rip a band-aid off you about something in your own heart? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we all have, haven't we? Ooh. Man, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I didn't do that. I should have handle that differently we all have haven't we guess what it's a spirit doing just what this just what god said sent him to do why because when he takes care of that corruption you see you can't build 
a solid foundation on shifting sand. You can't, you can't build a house on rotten lumber. The Spirit wants us what? Confessing those sins. Amen? Getting them right with God, moving on. The Spirit wants the lost person confessing they're a sinner, trusting in Christ alone, getting all those sins forgiven so they can have that position of righteousness. And then, like you and I, going on and growing and letting our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify us not what's not us doing them it's Christ and glorify our Father which is in heaven that's what God has for us and by the way Christmas we speak and sing of comfort anybody ever experienced more comfort than the day you got saved that nothing in my life compares to that and by the way after that there's nothing more comfortable than what comforting to the heart than knowing all is right and well with God amen that's what God wants to accomplish in the heart of every person let's pray Heavenly Father I thank you for your word I thank you for your people here today and and God uh, I thank you for this church for your spirit Father, for your Son, how blessed we are uh, to be given so much. Uh, And Lord, I pray that you would help us to remember you're not depending upon our own personal talents and anything that we had in our lives before we got born again. Uh, None of that's really useful to you. You gave us all that we have given us all that we need with Christ dwelling at your right hand, dear God, with the Spirit of God in our hearts and with the Word of God before us here in our Bibles. Father, uh, through these things, we can be truly furnished unto all good works, witnessing to others, becoming a light both in word and deed. God, that with therein we may glorify you and be the witness to the world we ought to be. Thank you, God. I thank you for the promise of your coming, your return. I thank you for the the promise of the rapture, as was discussed this morning. We we take comfort in that. As 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 4 says, we are to comfort one another with those things. So, Father, help us, though, to be, as was mentioned, on our toes, knowing it will be suddenly when you come. And to be faithful witnesses, Father, uh, found faithful before the, uh, when that happens. Father, it can only be by, by your grace as we yield to you. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.